Welcome back to another episode of The Sports Skinny. My name is Samara Rosenfeld, and I am here today with my new co-host. He joined the show last week, Andrew Heller. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing pretty great. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, you know it. There's going to be plenty more where that came from. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. I'm really happy to be here. So we got a pretty full slate, so we'll dive right in, but but let, let's let's first talk, what, what do we got on, on the schedule for today? We have MLB, what's happening with the coronavirus, we're talking best ballpark foods, we're talking which three sports would you only want to gamble on if you could only pick three out of nine, this was courtesy of Barstool Bets, we have NFL's lack of a bubble where we stand with the NBA and the playoff picture. We'll talk a little bit of Celtics, a little bit of 76ers, and we will wrap up with some WNBA talk. How does that sound for you, Andrew? Sounds great. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah. All right. So we are about two weeks into the MLB season, and the Marlins are back. They're playing, and they currently, oddly enough, stand at first place in the NL East. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my initial reaction is that the Marlins have taken over as my most hated team in baseball. Used to be the Mets. You guys got a pass. I am absolutely so frustrated with the Marlins, and I can't believe that they are in first place because of winning percentage. I saw an article today, and it's according to uh, Joel Sherman of the New York Post, that said that the MLB is prepared to allow teams to finish the season with an unequal number of games played and that the postseason will essentially be determined by winning percentage. And I just think that's I, – I, I don't understand how they can do that, personally, because how do you keep track of who played who and maybe – I mean, who did the – the Marlins have played the Orioles so far, right? That's they played there. the Orioles. So, you know, if you're playing weaker teams and then you get a pass when you're supposed to play a better team, like even though they beat the Phillies, you know, I don't see how it can really be fair – um, if you're just going off a winning percentage. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty lousy. The The Mets were recording this. It's Friday night. The Mets are opening up a series against the Marlins. And, I mean, we'll see what happens. But the Marlins are 6-1 and one right now. Is, is it a fluke? You know, like, the, the Marlins, last we heard, Derek Jeter traded away every good player on the Marlins. He traded Christian Yelich. He traded Giancarlo Stanton. And this, you know, this little team of misfits is putting together a 6-1 and one record to start it off. But, but I don't know if it could be sustained. And you have still a tough time in the NL East. You have to play the Braves, who are, in my opinion, one of the best teams in baseball. You have to come and play the Nationals, who aren't as good as last year. They lost some key players, but but they're on the cusp, borderline. And again, you have the Mets and the Phillies, who can definitely hold their own against a team like the Marlins. Right. Unfortunately, last year, we were putting out big tweets. The, the Mets account was putting out big tweets when they avoided a sweep by the Marlins which was pathetic in, in and of itself. Oh, mm-hmm. but, but the Marlins are in a team that, that I, don't, I don't think anyone would watch them in, in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone would pick them to, to go far. And, and they're one of those like Cinderella stories if they were, were to make it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they're a real scrappy team. I have this big problem. It seems like whenever I bet against the Marlins, they get a win, you know, because they're that team that I, 
automatically assume is just bad. And then I agree one hundred percent. And I think I've told you, I told you last year that that was one of my teams that I could never bet against because anytime I did, I would lose, and yeah. it never made sense why I would lose, but I would anytime I bet against the Marlins. Yeah, I don't know if teams like play down to them or if. Maybe they just have more young talent than people realize. Whatever the case is, they're first in the NL East right now, and that just really grinds my gears, as you would say. Um, yeah, you know, they have a winning percentage of 857, and, I mean, they haven't played any home games yet. I mean, not that. Not that it, it doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. But, you know, you still have, I mean, <laughs> you have organists playing. You have the the grounds crew making noises, banging on buckets and stuff like that. It's still, you know, you have the feel for your home ballpark better than any other. Right. Except if you're an exceptional case where you happen to hit the most home runs in history in a certain ballpark, you know, you, you know your field the best. Yeah. So, I mean, Miami's a hot spot, though, no? Um, for Corona, like a hotspot for, for Corona? A hotspot for coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, I think the whole state of Florida still is. So if I were a team, I'd be uneasy about going in there. I don't know whenever they're opening up for their home games, but I wouldn't want to send my team in there. No, you know? absolutely not. And I don't think there's any talk about them getting a replacement site like you had with the – I think Toronto was supposed to play somewhere else. Toronto um, was initially go- – so Toronto didn't get to pl- – isn't playing in Canada – because the government wouldn't allow it. Then they were going to play in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh said, Niz, <laughs> no way. And so now they're playing in a minor league stadium in Buffalo, and, oh. and they don't even have real like locker rooms or anything like that. They don't have all the um, fancy amenities that the, the major league teams have. Man, that's got to be a struggle. Or maybe it helps because there's not as much locker room contact for Corona. I don't know. This whole thing is so up in the air, and I think Manfred is just determined to make it to the playoffs at any cost, even if it means doing this winning percentage thing. And I still don't know how I feel about it. Right. And, and you know, it's interesting that we bring up the winning percentage again because I talked to my boss at work today, and he's a big Mets fan. He, he has Mr. Met tattooed on his arm like he he's he's legit (laughs) you know why you would ever want Mr. Matt tattooed on your body or for anyone to ever know that you're affiliated with the Mets in any way that's that's a conversation we'll have another day but but, yeah but we were talking about you know what's going to happen this season are we going to finish playing because the Cardinals are the latest team to be infected. Mm-hmm. So another player tested positive for coronavirus. It brought the team total to eight players since last week. The team previously announced 13 positive tests from its traveling party, seven of which came from players. So now we have eight players on the Cardinals. It caused the series against the Chicago Cubs to be canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's looking like – every team at some point or another is going to have to deal with this in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, now aside from last night when the Cubs got routed by um, Kansas city, they were on a pretty good hot streak. So now does that give the Cardinals an advantage that they don't have to play the, uh, you know, a Cubs team that's really firing on all cylinders right now. And they get to just do a rain check for another day. I think it does. It's an interesting perspective for sure, because 
these teams that are hot and on hot streaks, these any hot batters going, you know, having to just stop cold for a couple of days can definitely mess with you mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally takes you out of the rhythm. And- so I was talking with my boss and, and we were trying to figure out, so, so what's going to happen? Are they going to play the entire season? And this was his proposal is to do something similar to the NBA bubble, but not necessarily a bubble. You mm-hmm. cut it to X amount of teams and have a tournament. And uh-huh. maybe it's the teams with the best, uh, the best winning percentages in each division. And you leave out teams like the Marlins who have missed X amount, X amount of games. Okay. And, and you do it like that. And you don't necessarily have it as a wash of a season, but you don't call it the World Series either. Oh, you know, okay. kind of like how the MLS is doing their MLS is back at, at mm-hmm. challenge tournament and the NWSL had their challenge cup. It, it would be kind of like that in a sense where you're not having a full season, but you're still getting a taste of baseball. You're still playing, but it's not to the same extent and it's not as many teams. You're, you're cutting it okay. off. And you see how it works out that way. I guess. I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, what everybody wants most is just baseball to be played. Um, and that's great. But then what do you do then if, so like in that scenario that you were proposing with your boss, so if we don't really call it a World Series, does the championship just get like an asterisk? Like how Right, that... right. So, so here's the, I don't know if you would call it an, a championship or if you would just name it a a certain tournament you know Mm -hmm. mlb 2020 tournament something like that where you you, maybe you just don't have a world series this year either way there's going to be an asterisk on it you know i guess that's true even if they were to play the 60 games especially if they're only playing 60 games they're playing half the mlb season and now you have some teams that don't even need to play all 60 games are you kidding me there's yeah. definitely an asterisk, asterisk on this no matter what. There's got to be. 100% got to be. Happy that baseball's back, but uh, it's not good. It's not – we need some clear protocol on how this is going to move forward because I feel like it's something different every single day. And how, how can you place a futures bet when you have no idea how the playoffs are going to be decided? Right, and, and we're talking about this season with an asterisk on it and knowing me and my Mets, the five and eight Mets who sit at the bottom of the NL East, they would find a way to to win. This would be the season that <laughs> that they win it all, and everyone would say that it didn't count. Yeah. But I do want to mention, in talking about the Mets, Joanna Cespedes. I know it's old news, but I still have some takes on this. Cespedes decides not to show up to a game on Sunday. And I didn't know that as Mets fans, I had a choice. <laughs> you know, I'm in this thing. And Cespedes, who's getting paid by the team, doesn't show up to a game? Are you kidding me? That's an option? <laughs> no way. So, so everyone probably knows this, but for those who don't, the, the Mets have a game against the Atlanta Braves this past Sunday. And Cespedes decides not to show up to the game. And the Mets PR decides to put out a statement at the beginning of the game, first, second inning, that Cespedes was a no-show. 
and they called him, couldn't reach him, called him, couldn't reach him. But, you know, several attempts were made, nothing, haven't heard from him. So Mets fans who are known to just assume the worst, everything sucks as a Mets Mm -hmm. fan. Mm Mm-hmm. Is he dead? Is he missing? You know, conspiracy theories. What's going on? Where's Cespedes? Send out the bat signal. This is bad news. Cespedes is gone. Then a couple innings later, we get a notification on the bottom of the screen, breaking news. Mets PR decides to put out another announcement. Cespedes is assumed not to be in danger. So they obviously saw all of the tweets on Twitter and all of the Mets fans spiraling out of control because, of course, we think he's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then the game ends, and we have Brody Van Wagenen, who says, the general manager of the Mets, who says, yeah, we heard from Cespedes during the game that he decided to opt out for the season due to COVID-related reasons. We had called him several times after we didn't hear from him. We sent security to his hotel room. All of his belongings were gone. Excuse me? What? During the game, you found this out, and you wait until after the game to tell us that he opted out for the season. And just the whole way that the Mets went about this was absolutely mind-blowing to me. It made no sense. And also, if we're allowed to opt out of this season, can I? (laughs) Can I please, it would save me, it would save me, I would have so many more hours of, of good sleep uh, and so many hours that would, that would be typically lost to frustration and agony over the Mets. It, it would all be, it would all be fine. Yeah. But, but now we have to deal with this. Cespedes opts out and he wasn't making a strong mark on the team as a designated hitter. He was batting. In, uh, I think it was at like 154, something like that. And, and as your designated hitter, you need to be doing much better. But he, th- he's citing COVID-related reasons. But the way that he approached this was so poor. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. going to have your agent calling in the middle of a game. You're not going to tell them after th- the game on Saturday, hey, listen, X, Y, Z. The players were all thrown for a loop, and he was a veteran presence on a relatively young team. All the mm-hmm. guys looked up to him. I heard Pete Alonso in a press conference talking him up to the moon. And, and now you have this poor look for Cespedes just not – not showing up and, and approaching this the way that he did. And it's very disappointing. And he, he's done with the Mets. That's it. I mean. Yeah. Like officially done with the Mets? Is his contract up? Is that what you're saying? I believe his contract is up. Wow. So what? I totally see what you're saying. Wouldn't you just love to give an Irish goodbye on just like, you know what? The ship is sinking. I don't want to be on it. I'm doing terrible. But, and and, and he, like you said, he can basically wipe his hands clean of it because of COVID, not saying that's unjustifiable or anything, but there's pretty much like no recourse for this type of action. You have an out. If you want an out, you have an out. Yeah. And And I wish I had an out. I (laughs) wish that any of the blowout losses to the Marlins or any other team would be an out for me, but it's not. So Mm -hmm. let's be real. I'll I'll be jaded forever. Yep. it's a life sentence for you. Andrew, I really miss going to games. Regardless of whether my team is winning, I miss the experience. Mm-hmm. I miss t- the tailgating with my dad. I miss 
bringing my glove anyway, even though I'm about to be 25. Like, <laughs> I miss that. Like, oh, let me see if I could catch a foul ball or a home run. I miss, you know, chugging a beer on the walk across the street to get to City Field. The best. It's the best. The parking lot to the entrance chug. Nothing else like it. Totally gets you hyped up for the entire it night. totally gets you hyped up. I miss waiting on the line to get the free concession that they're giving out. First 15,000 fans are getting a bobblehead. I'm there six hours early. <laughs> I am there. Oh, man. I respect that. A lot of respect for that. I, I'm not personally like that, but my grandfather used to be. and that takes I, love, I love me a knickknack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just can't pass up the parking lot time. And I, I totally miss it, too. I mean, tailgating is literally, like, my favorite thing to do at a sporting event. And sometimes I enjoy it more than the actual game because the Football, game – Football, no doubt. No doubt. Football, yeah. tailgating is is way better. Not even you close. Well, stay in the parking lot in a football game. If you've got a TV, you got a better view than you do, like, probably in the game. Depending Absolutely. On are, Plus, you know. they stop giving out alcohol at a certain, at a certain point, and it's like, come on. It's what like, are it, we? Are we five? Yeah, like, I don't need you to tell me, like, when I can and cannot drink. I'm a paying customer here, okay? Uh, I'll be orderly and all that, respect all the rules of the ballpark or a football stadium, whatever. But don't cut me off at the fourth quarter or, like, the seventh inning right when the game's getting good. Right, right when you're in the meat of it. So, mm-hmm. so you're at the ballpark. What is your go-to drink and what is your go-to food? Go-to drink. I wasn't prepared for that. I had go-to food. Totally right off the top of my okay, head. Okay, go, go with food. I'll, I'll go with my food. I'll go with my drink. And then you can go with your food. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, just growing up in Philly, not in Philly, Reading, obviously right outside of Philly, but we'll put it in air quotes. Um, chickies and Pete's crab fries. They're delicious. They're super addicting. Got to get one of those. Regardless if it's at the ballpark, Sixers game, even the rare couple times I've been to the Lincoln Financial Field to see the Eagles. Not proud of that, but... You know, again, always get the crab fries. Now, see, I can't do the Old Bay seasoning. I, I don't love it. The only time I ever had Old Bay seasoning was at our friend Aaron's house on oh. New Year's Eve, and it just did not sit well with me. I don't know if it was a, the Old old Bay seasoning or if it was the, the other drinks that I was consuming. But either way, I did not have a good experience with the Old Bay seasoning. I have... Stayed clear of it. Well, the, the I, probably didn't mix well with the alcohol. Without a doubt, my go-to, it's chicken fingers and fries. No question. Chicken fingers and fries. I'm a child at heart. I'm also a picky eater. Mm. So when it comes to going to a baseball game, there's literally nothing else that even, even comes into my mind. And at City Field, they have a bunch of stuff. They have... I think they have like Shake Shack and all of these delicacies. They have like sandwiches and fancy burgers and hot dogs and you name it. They have it at City Field. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not interested. You give me you know five chicken fingers and fries <laughs> with some ketchup. I'm good. Don't Do- talk to me. <laughs> I'm good. Hold up. Do you get five chicken fingers at City Field? I'm pretty sure it's five chicken fingers. Wow, what, do you get three? Great. If you're lucky, sometimes they'll give you two just because, you know. Oh, sheesh. 
people in Philly hate you. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I want to say it's five. It could be three, but either way, it's enough to keep it's a great good. deal. Yeah. My, my problem is that when I go to these games, <laughs> I get too drink happy. Yeah. And so I don't, like, I'll enjoy the chicken fingers and fries, but will I necessarily remember the chicken fingers and fries by the end of the night? Those are two different things. Absolutely. So, so <laughs> I mean, for me, when it comes to a tailgate, I'm usually drinking Stella okay. for a baseball game, cans of Stella. And then in the stadium, it varies. So usually it's like a shock top or an IPA, and that's mm-hmm. what really gets me. Okay. If you have an IPA, so they have this – the Mets have uh, have a partnership with Barstool or something. It's something like that where they do Barstool at the ballpark because KFC is a big Mets fan, the diehard, and there are a bunch of guys in, at Barstool who are huge Mets fans. And they do this deal where you can buy a ticket through Barstool at the ballpark. You get a ticket, a meal voucher, and unlimited drinks in a certain section of the ballpark for I believe it's like 90 bucks okay and that's a great deal you usually get your own bathroom in that area as well so you're kind of separated it's either in like the coca-cola corner something like that in in the outfield Mm -hmm. and and we did that one time and I just it was just me and my sister who went we took the train well we took the bus to the train and we met up with some of her friends and so I drank a little bit on the train, but I'm housing. So they have, I, I think it's Bud Light or it's one light beer, Stella and Goose Island IPA. Okay. And you have unlimited beer until the seventh inning. So I, every five minutes, I think I'm getting up to get another Goose Island IPA. Those Goose Islands, it's, y- you know, it's I don't know who won the game. I can tell you the Mets probably didn't. The Mets probably didn't win that game because they usually don't. <laughs> but those I'm telling you, you go to a, a ballpark yeah. and and I've gone to some nat- I went to a Nationals game in Washington against the Padres. I want to go to every stadium, and and I was drinking hazy little thing Sierra Nevada IPAs. And I was oh, housing like the 24 ounces of those. You get a couple yeah. cans and that's it. It, it, it gets you. So, mm-hmm. I mean, next time I go to a game, I'm not getting IPAs. That's for sure. No. Uh, I think at this point I've learned my lesson, but that was my, my go-to was either, was either Goose Island or a shop top. Okay. Right on. I do really like and appreciate your thinking with the IPAs because I, so my go-to, now that I thought about it, um, whenever I'm at Citizens Bank Park, is always a land shark, because it's like the same price as a yingling, you know, so it's like 10 bucks or whatever, but it's it, a little more refreshing, you know, you drink lagers all day, it's got to fill up your stomach, you may not even get that drunk, you're just going to feel kind of sick, um, but the land shark, nice and light, will keep Lighter, you moving, yeah. but sometimes I do like to go for the IPA, because like for an extra $4, four or five bucks, you're getting an extra five six percent alcohol in there so you're kind of getting more bang for your buck at the Reading Phillies um the double a team from my hometown they're called the Reading Finans now but I'll always call them the Reading Phillies 
um, they have perpetual IPA there. Oh, love that. Love like seven bucks. Oh, yeah. Ten and I mean, bucks? Seven. Like seven, seven bucks. Oh, yeah. You get three of those. 20 bucks, you're good for the night. You know, oh, my goodness. When they, when they get back to double-A ball, uh, I think I got to come and visit you. Uh, please do. I think, not going to lie, I kind of miss going to the minor league ballpark more than actually going to Citizens Bank. Just because it has, you know, it's not as expensive. You're still watching a great game, and it just has that hometown kind of feel to it. You know, I've been doing that since I was like three years old. So I definitely miss that this summer. Now, now, before we move on, I want to know, have you had any bad baseball bet beats? Oh, my God. I have got to stop playing Korean baseball. Oh, Korean baseball. A blast from – that just brings me back, like, two months into quarantine. I know. And, like, back then, we had to do it. There was no other option. I needed to wake up at 530 for these games. But now my problem is, because I've been watching it so long, I think that I know it. You think and you know it. Obviously, I don't. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I forget the ex- exact date, but I'm sure you can look this game up. I no, had I the just remember. I just remember a Snapchat from you. I, yeah. It was a fun series of Snapchats for me to watch, <laughs> but it was very sad for Andrew. Me just freaking out at like 7.30 in the morning because I had a $40 all-day parlay. It was Wednesday because that was the day of the Union game, and this is how I knew that the Union were going to be bad. Okay, so it's like a $40 all-day parlay. I got the NC Dinos. They're minus 265. Oh. First place in KBO against the Hanwha Eagles. The last oh, place. the Hanwha Eagles. Saint Trash. Old- well, it's, they're like the Marlins of that league. So I'm thinking Dinos. It's a total lock. Forget about it. Okay, and then I parlayed it with some hockey and then the cap it off with the Union because I thought that the Union were going to. But we won't talk about that. It's the sixth inning. The Dinos are up 4 nothing. The starting pitcher has given up two free hits. And then the guy on ESPN shows up this graphic. And it says, maybe I still have the picture. But what it details is that the Dinos have the best ERA of all starting pitchers, best starting pitcher ERA of all the teams in the KBO. But they have the worst relief or, you know, ERA posed by relief pitchers in the KBO. So I'm like, oh, God, please don't bring the reliever in. What does he do in the sixth inning? No outs. The Dinos manager brings on a reliever, and the guy gives up seven runs in that inning. Seven runs. And I'm not even lying. Their bullpen ERA was a 5.93. So it's nice to know the numbers, like, right on. He did set, gave up seven. They end up losing five to eight. And that's how you lose 40 bucks before breakfast. Oh like, just God. stay away from Korean baseball. There's always going to be – unless you're taking an over, you know, the I mean, overs the do over. hit a lot. They do. But, I mean, that was – I was more angry about – because I had no idea why they brought in the reliever when there's literally – I mean, you got a four-run lead. There's nobody – there's nobody out. Nobody on base. What? I blows my mind. Blows my mind. I knew the union were going to lose after that. I'm like, if that didn't work, definitely not going to happen for the union. And as we know, it didn't. But. It did not – and and all right, so so talking about gambling on sports, you you sent me this photo, and I, and I had seen it on Twitter as well. Barstool Bets tweeted out a graphic of nine different sports or nine different propositions. I would call it events. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine different events, and they said you can only keep three to bet on. 
the nine options were the Super Bowl, March Madness, the Masters, the NBA Finals, the MLB postseason, the World Cup, the Stanley Cup Final, Saratoga, and then it was a photo of a Hawaiian football player, like mm-hmm. from the Hawaiian, like the NCAA college football Hawaii team. Mm-hmm. Of those nine, you had to pick three that you would keep. And, of course, Andrew wanted to hop all over this. So, Andrew, I'll let you – you give your first. I'll give two. Then you give one. I'll give one. You give yours. Okay. Well, before – not to go off track. Go the ahead. one I'm definitely not picking is Saratoga and the horse racing because I – last year, on the first day of when Saratoga opened – I bet 10 races that day, one horse each race, $10 each race, 0 for 10. So horse racing, definitely out for me. Not doing horse racing. First one that I would have to keep is the Masters. And it's kind of along the similar line with why I think somebody would pick horse racing. You pick horse racing because you're getting really good odds, right? Sometimes the 20 to 1 hits and, you know, that that's huge. Normally you don't get single game lines like that in, you know, any other sport. And with the Masters and golf, before Thursday starts, you can see the best player in the world. You know, he's at 12 to 1 before the tournament even starts. And then it kind of goes up and down like a stock market for the whole weekend. You rebuy in. It's constant action. The most beautiful course in golf. I cannot give up the Masters. I need those four days. Can't, I'm so glad we're still going to have it this year. And I think that is just – I mean, Sunday at the Masters, most intense thing. You know, you got two guys battling out in the last grouping. I don't think there's anything more intense than watching somebody putt, you know, like a 10-footer for birdie on, like, hole 16, 17, knowing that they need to, like, make that to win. I think that's – for me, that's prime action. Now, the first one I picked, and I'll tell you, I would not pick the Stanley Cup final. Okay. Hockey mm-hmm. just doesn't do it for me. I'll follow hockey. I'll look at it, whatever. It's not something that I would bet on. It's not something that I would know too much about to bet on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, you know, it's not for me. Something I will bet on and have bet on, the Super Bowl. Mm. Now, I'm a sucker for prop bets. I love those. I had, I had to have had at least 15 different prop bets this past Super Bowl. And you know what? I was coming home from Boston. I was in Boston to see a Celtics Celtics play against the 76ers and I drove home the day of the Super Bowl to see the Super Bowl. And I had the 49ers in probably every prop that I had. I had and I had national anthem. I had heads or tails. I hit on that obviously. Tails never fails. Um tails I, never fails. I picked heads. No. Uh, soccer. I'm a soccer. But, you know, and then I have bets on who's going to score X amount of touchdowns, Mm -hmm. how many yards certain players are going to receive, how many yards the quarterbacks are going to throw. I love those. I think it keeps the game interesting. You're like, oh, no, he he, he had the touchdown. Did he have it? I don't know. You know, did he he get that extra yard? Did he not? How did he not? Oh, a flag overturned the play. Stuff like that. I think it always keeps the Super Bowl interesting. And the Super Bowl has to be one of the biggest betting days of the year. Mm. Everyone even does those um, suicide pool? Or what are they called? The box 
the squares. Boxes. Like, yeah, with the numbers. Like yeah, you get everyone the does those. So yeah. you know, everyone's everyone's getting some some action on Super Bowl Super Bowl Sunday. Why 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 not me? Why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? I mean, I I like that's sort of the same reason why I chose the Masters. It's because you know there's all the bets in between that you can do. Like you can do whole bets, like Super Bowl. You're saying you do prop bets, over unders on how many yards they're gonna throw. I totally dig that. Right. It's about how many chances for action you can get within the event. I think that's important. All right. The next one, and I'm going to save my third one because I know that you also have it, so we can both discuss it at the same time. My okay. next one was the MLB postseason. Okay. And I'll say I left out the NBA Finals because that's just a seven-game series. With the MLB postseason, you have longevity. Mm, you have yeah. ten teams and possibly wild-card matchups if they include it. Mm-hmm. And – and you have a solid two months or so of bets when it comes when it comes to the <laughs> when it comes to NBA finals, you have like a week and a half or so of gambling. Yeah. This you have possible underdogs you can do. I mean, again, there are all of those little other option bets, strikeouts, who's gonna hit a home run, first first five innings, first three innings, stuff like that where I think that it could get interesting in the MLB postseason. When it comes to the NBA Finals, I mean, I got so burned last year on Klay Thompson as the MVP who got hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and the Warriors, I was all in on the Warriors. And I just can't, I can't do it again. I, I, I mean, I will do it again, definitely, but... It's not – if I had to pick between the NBA Finals, which lasts a week and a half to two weeks, something along those lines, if it's a seven-game series, and the MLB postseason, which is ten different teams, you got you to gotta show love to, to the ten teams. Okay. Absolutely. I dig that. And, yeah, I had Golden State, too. I, I thought – you know what I mean? You always got to take it – I thought they were a sure thing, and it turns out that they're not, and then you're just really bummed about it and yeah there's not enough time for you to recover in just a seven game series you know you can't make your money back once it's all over so I feel that I feel that with baseball big time and I was tempted to pick that one I really was because I love baseball I mean October there's nothing else like fall ball however there is something that happens in the fall that I would say is probably the most exciting thing in sports and that is the ninth picture on the board University of Hawaii football. If, if you've never watched Hawaii football, it's, I mean, they used to call the Rams the greatest show on turf. Forget about it. Hawaii football is the most exciting brand of football. They throw probably 40, 50 passes a game. Overs always hit. It's the, it's the last game of the day. So if you, you know, you had a bad Saturday, you lost on Clemson, Penn State, whoever, you always got the Hawaii game that you can win it all back. And I've been watching Hawaii football personally since like fifth grade. I don't think that I could live without it at this point. It's become like such a staple in my, you know, whatever you want to call it, football, sports, life. I couldn't, I couldn't live without it. It's so exciting. And then what usually ends up happening is they, you know, a Hawaii is, they roughly go about 500 on the year. You know, they'll make a ball game, but they always have, not always have, they usually get put into the Hawaii Bowl, which is played on Christmas Eve at Aloha Stadium in Hawaii. You know, it's the only game on Christmas Eve. So, obviously, if Hawaii is going to make a bowl game, 
that's who they pick. And that's just so fun for me. It's like a Christmas tradition. You know, you know some people watch a Christmas story. I watch Hawaii every year. And this year, I cashed in big on it. Cole McDonald, over 300 yards plus 200, absolute lock. Over <laughs> three touchdowns, absolute lock. They're not going to win unless they throw the ball. So cashing big on that was so much fun. Couldn't live without Hawaii football. Go you Warriors. You love Don in the shirt, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's the coolest logo. I mean, you got the dark green, the H. You know, Heller, you know, I'm a little biased there, but. Yeah, I just think it's very cool, very exciting, and it, it would make my week. You know, if that was the only thing I could bet on, you know, for, you know, because we only have to pick three things, I would wait all week to just hammer Hawaii football at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, Sunday morning. Then we have the obvious one for me. This was, like, no-brainer March Madness. Mm-hmm. You yep. can't not bet on March Madness. You have 64 teams plus the play-in games. You mm-hmm. have that eight versus nine matchups. You have that sneaky 15 or 16 seed that ends up being a Cinderella, like the Florida Gulf Coasts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it's impossible. It lasts for what feels like forever. Right. You're staring at your bracket that you printed out. And, and you have your highlighter, and you watch every game on your – every laptop you own, every TV, you sit there, and you bet. That's what you do. That's what March Madness is for. The month of – like, this year without having March Madness was insane to me. It, oh. it just felt – I felt, like, empty almost. I have PTSD from it a little bit. I think that was, like, the first thing that was canceled. Or the NBA was, and then – like, soon after they came. Yeah, there was a game that was playing, and then they, like, stopped at halftime. Mm-hmm. In the NBA? No, in, in the NCAA. Oh, yeah. Okay, I don't remember that exactly. But exa- you know what I mean? It's, it's a whole month dedicated to the most games you're going to see in any type of playoff format. Cinderella stories happen. You have action. You know, you know me and the all-day action. We're talking from, like, 11, 12 o'clock until – 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, yeah. All day. All day. day. Texas Tech. I had Texas Tech in my final four. Mm Mm-hmm. And, oh, my goodness. They did wonders for me until they didn't. But they did wonders. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great play. That really was. I don't think anybody expected them until it was the championship. And then everybody hopped on them. I'm pretty sure they lost, right? In the they lost the didn't final. they lose in the final four? Did they? I think they lost in the final four. Okay. You're probably right. Was, well it wasn't the final Virginia against it wasn't Villanova. Villanova got out kind of early. No, I didn't know. I think it was Texas Tech. It was Texas Tech in the final? NCAA tournament championship, four eight nineteen. Yep. Virginia beat Texas Tech eighty five to seventy seven. Mm. Okay. Didn't Portnoy put like a hundred grand on that game? I have no idea. I think I remember seeing that, and that's what encouraged me to go heavy on it, too. And Did not work for you. Guess you can win them all. Nope. All right. So, so we talked about how the MLB is doing poorly without their bubble and possible options for them. Now, in a month and a half or so, maybe a little less, less than month, a month and a half, we're supposed to get football back. God willing. 
The so, NFL doesn't have a plan for a bubble, which is kind of obvious. You you have 50-man rosters and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it, it's not realistic. What are you going to do? How do you think the NFL will fare without a bubble? If it goes anything like the MLB is going, I mean, teams are going to catch it with the travel. It's inevitable. And then I don't know how you make up a football game if yeah. a football game can't be played. Yeah, teams are de- – it's definitely going to spread. Teams are going to catch it. And, and they don't even have a plan, at least at least a plan that I know of, mm-hmm. that is keeping them on, like, certain coasts. Right. Because yeah. in the MLB, the Mets, the Phillies, the Marlins, they're all staying on the East Coast. And all of the players out West, they're all st- the, those teams are all staying in the West. They don't have a plan like that. I don't know if they have any contingency plans or anything, but it, Roger Goodell is going to have his lap full, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and he is going – I mean, he is already one of the most scrutinized commissioners, I think. Everyone uh, – he is, he is hated. You could say he is hated. He's hated. He, nobody likes him, and if football doesn't happen this year because he didn't take enough steps to plan for a way for it to happen – I mean, they're going to, like, hang him out to dry. But here's the thing is that I realistically can't think of a way where it could happen in a way like the NBA bubble was able to happen. Right. Yeah. Like, how would you be able to do that? The teams are too big. There is, you know, I can't think of a way where it would work. Maybe if everybody wears, like, you know, those um, screen visors, but they go down, cover the whole face. You know what I'm talking about, like the yeah, 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 the, on their helmets. Yeah, on, on the helmets, the dark visors thing. Well, what if You're we talking all talking about instead of them having like a mouth cage almost to have the yeah. visor extend down? Exactly. That's- We're talking like space helmet, stormtrooper type of helmet on the players, so there's no breathing on anybody. I I don't know how that could work. That probably cost an insane amount of money. They're like even even, even so, when the players are out and they're on the sidelines, what, do they have to keep them on? They have to be in a mask? When I played football for two years, I was told to never take my helmet off because you always got to be ready to go in the game and keep your head in the game. And I think that's what a lot of you football coaches teach. You know, you always want to keep that helmet on until the final whistle blows. Maybe they go back to their roots and just everybody keeps it on. You know, <laughs> QB1 isn't keeping their, their helmet on. Right. Yeah, and I guess, too, you know, they're also – Switching to those caps – Baseball hat, uh, football hat, whatever it is. They're, they're putting on the hats in between. Well, right, and because they need to look at, like, the iPad and stuff. So they got to get close contact with another coach and whatever to talk about the plays and everything. I think so it's a Microsoft Surface, actually. Get your brands right. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> I apologize, Microsoft. It's nice you support the NFL <laughs> or the NFL supports you. Don't know which way it is. But, yeah, I totally feel what you're saying. With the volume of people that are on an NFL's team, you can't do a bubble, and there's going to be very few ways that during the game you can have them socially distanced enough where it's safe and comfortable. Because, yeah, you've got to put them in the stands like they do for soccer. Everybody spread out, like, you know, all across. Soccer doesn't have that many players, so they were able to pull it off. I I really – I don't think we'll make, th- make it through an entire NFL season, as much as it pains me to say. 
I that, mean, being a Jets fan, it doesn't pain me that much because the Jets, I literally read something today that said that the Jets were ranked 32nd <laughs> out of 32 oh <laughs> based on their position players. Each position yeah, yeah. was ranked, and overall they were ranked 32. So you're saying the NFL not happening could be a good thing for you. One less thing to be disappointed about. Anytime. I've said this for years. The best week in football is when the Jets have a bye. <laughs> that's classic. Oh, that's great. I mean, you can just focus that's on it. fantasy team and not worry about. Exactly. And I want to invest in fantasy football, even though I hate it. And I've said this again for years. I hate fantasy football, but I love fantasy football at the same time. It gives me something to to think about and something to like focus my time and energy on so yeah. that it's not what it's supposed to be focused on. Yep. It's and a nice distraction. It's the best distraction. And that I think I, I do agree, as much as it pains me also. I agree with you. I don't think that the full season is going to happen, but as soon as they shut it down, I mean, I might have to go back to therapy because there's going to be a huge void <laughs> in, my, in my life that I, I don't know what to do all week during the football season. You're worried about your bets. Um, you're worried about your fantasy team. How That's your favorite the thing, team yeah. Goes. You're looking at the waiver wires. You're looking at everything. It takes a whole week to set up your team, right. and that's something for you to do. I yes. remember doing it in my Monday, Wednesday, Friday class <laughs> in college. Yep. Was, I was looking, oh, hang on, so-and-so was hurt. It, it was a Wednesday. Someone said was hurt. Oh, let me let me try and claim someone on waivers. Or oh, we have that Thursday night game. Let me see if I want to pick up or add anyone. You know, it's it was always something to do in that in that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You had all of them. The Thursday game didn't look too hot. Friday, you're dropping someone. You're adding someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, I'm reading. You know, I'm reading every single thing that I could possibly read. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the sports talk shows are better because – not sports talk, anything on ESPN, you know what I mean? Because they're all just talking about football. And that's all just, like, extra information to help you perfect that week and just try and – because there's no better feeling than, you know, hitting a football bet, hitting your fantasy team – well, winning your fantasy matchup, I mean, or your favorite team winning. Like, that just caps off your Sunday, and it's like, let's start the week off on a high note. Boom, Monday, I could take on anything. Without that – what are you going to do on a Sunday? What's there to do? Now, here's the thing. What do you do if you have a player on either, A, a team you hate? You're, okay. So you're a Packers fan, if it was mm-hmm. maybe the Vikings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or if you have someone on your team, your fantasy team, that's playing against the Packers. Like, what do I do if... Yeah, so w- w- what happens or what do you do... If you're playing against... Oh, if I'm playing against the Packers? Yeah, I see. Like a player, like let's say I have the quarterback, uh, you know, I will never pick Mitch Trubisky. Let's say I have Mitch Trubisky and he's playing. Yeah, I'm saying what happens if you have someone on the team that you hate? I understand what you're saying now. And my answer for that is that I literally try to avoid that at all costs. So you just don't draft any players on, the en- on enemy lines? No. Yeah, I would never take the Bears defense. Because Khalil Mack just does a number on Rodgers every single time. I mean, I wouldn't take Latavius Murray. He's still on the Vikings. wouldn't take him as my running back. I think the only player I used to ever take 
within my division was if I could get Calvin Johnson off the Lions, I used to do that because I the guy was just a boss. And gen, generally, the wide receiver isn't going to be the person that, like, beats the, the whole other team, you know? Right. Um, so, really, yeah, I just try to avoid that because I'm fan first. I'll, I'll go with my heart and my fandom before making the smart play every time. So, going from lack of bubble – to the NBA and the NBA bubble. We're, we're further in now, obviously, one week later, where we stand. I mean, we didn't fare so well, Andrew, I'll say, with us both picking the Pelicans to come out of the West. We did not. No, not at all. Right now, the Pelicans are in 13th place. Um, so it's Memphis at the 8th. Portland at 9, San Antonio at 10, Phoenix at 11, the Kings at 12, and the Pelicans are at 13. The Pelicans only going 1 for th- one and 3 in the four games that they played, which is really bad. Really um, bad. And, again, we kind of knew that the Grizzlies weren't going to do too hot. The Grizzlies haven't won a game in the bubble, and here's where it's – where it gets interesting is that Portland is 32 and 38 and Memphis is 32 and 37. Portland has a real shot here at at making it out. And it is because of Damian Lillard. He, He scored 45 points against the Nuggets in 41 minutes, 21 points against the Rockets, 30 points against the Celtics in a game that, they almost won. They almost came back and won. They were down by 24, almost came back and won, which was disgusting as a Celtics fan to watch. <laughs> and they beat, um, and he scored 29 points against the Grizzlies. He's carrying the team. He yeah. scored five, point, five three-pointers against the Celtics on uh, the 2nd of August. He scored – he was 11 for 18 from three-point range against the Nuggets. 11 for 18 is insane. He's hitting shots from the logo. Get at it. Well, I mean, I think that – do you think that this Portland team could give the Lakers a run for their money? Because didn't they end up playing Golden State last year? Or who was the number one seed? Yeah, Golden Golden State. State. Yeah, didn't Portland match up with them and actually, like, took it to, like, six games, I think? Yeah, any team with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum has a chance – to take you deep yeah i mean wouldn't it be nuts if they get in there and then Lillard just balls out and they knock out the lakers first round it i would be you know damian lillard is one of those players that i respect a lot especially because of his allegiance to the blazers you see a lot of people chasing their bag you see a lot of people trying to chase rings cough cough kevin durant (laughs) And Damian Lillard, he gets his bag. He stays in Portland where he claims he wants to be. And, you know, sneaking into that eight seed is very nice for him. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be a blazer lifer. Yeah. I mean. I can see it. I, if any team in the West does win it, I would love to see him get it. I agree. I, I mean, now that. Our Pelicans aren't going anywhere as far as West Coast teams go. One of my favorites, one of, as a fan, Portland, Damian Lillard, I want to see him go off. I love a good three-point shooter. I think that's the most exciting part of basketball. So if he's putting up 11 for 18, let him keep doing that every night in the playoffs. And I think that'll be great television. 
What are your thoughts on the 76ers? Oh, my God. Maybe we win in the first round, but then we're out in the second. Without a doubt. This team has no depth. There's Ben Simmons is hurt again. I, you had asked me earlier in the week who I would want to play in the first round, and, I mean, my first instinct is, like, nobody. Maybe the Nets. If the Nets make the playoffs and they just – whatever team they're fielding without – Well, that's playing. impossible. Yeah, right, the way the seeding works. But So, if that's impossible – then, I mean, yeah, I don't know who. I certainly don't want to play the Celtics. The Raptors will probably beat them. And then if we play the Heat, somehow we get up into the fifth spot and then they play the Heat. Now I got to worry about Jimmy Butler coming back and, you know, putting revenge on us. I really have no faith in this Sixers team whatsoever. I mean, it's all just relying on big guys. There's no bench. And, I mean, Furkan Korkmaz is the only person who even, like, attempts three-pointers, and he misses half of them. There's – Al Horford has been a disaster. Our best defender comes off the bench in Matisse Tybel, and, you know, you can't even have a good defender out there. I don't know if you saw the Pacers game, but um, T.J. Warren put up 53 points. Well, T.J. Warren has been balling out in the bubble. He has, and he really – I mean, Brett Brown could have been fired after that game for not figuring out a way to double cover him or just somehow take him out of the game. Simmons can't play defense even when he's out there. No faith in the Sixers. Second-round exit, as it's been for the last two years. All right, so right now, the way that things are looking, at least – okay, so this is Friday night before the Celtics play the Raptors – And even so, the standings are going to stay the same after the game, regardless of the outcome. Boston's number three, and the 76ers are number six. So it looks like, at this point, that would be the matchup. It depends, though. It It could, again, you have limited number of games in between. So Miami is sitting at the four seed at 43 and 26. You have Indiana. 42 and 27 and you have philadelphia 21 and 27 we still have four games left philadelphia has five games left mm-hmm. so the fluctuation of the standings could change we'll see boston if boston wins i think it's one or two more games they have it locked up okay. uh, the three seed so i mean I wouldn't mind playing the 76ers just because i like beating the 76ers and they're good at it but they're- here's Here's the thing is that I haven't been too thrilled with the way that the Celtics have been playing in the bubble. The mm-hmm. Celtics, so, so they had an unlucky loss against the Bucks in the first game of the bubble where it looked like the Bucks literally paid off the refs to keep Giannis Antetokounmpo in the game, and it was ridiculous. Then the Celtics were winning by 24 points and only won by – four points I believe it was in against the Portland Trailblazers that was the game where I had the Celtics minus four and it was a lock and then they the bet pushed then you have Miami Heat coming off of they're on the second game of a back-to-back and Boston lost to them handily they played like garbage Marcus Smart fouled out and then you have the easy win against the Nets, who had no one playing. So it was like playing against a college team. Right. They, they won by like 30. Here's, here's the thing. And, and my friend Eric proposed this to me. He said, what will the Celtics need to do in order to make the finals? 
here's what they'll need to do. Marcus Smart needs to not foul out because he's the heart and soul of the team. And our bench needs to put up numbers. Our, our bench needs to score. And the Brad Stevens needs to put in rotations that actually make sense. So we had a rotation in the Miami Heat, I believe it was, in that game, where you have Shemi Ojale, Jalen Brown, Brad Wanamaker. You have a bunch of – you have four bench players and Jalen Brown. And it made no sense. The lineup, it made no sense at all. And, and they couldn't score. They couldn't score. They weren't playing good defense. And it didn't make sense. Now, he also said, what am I most concerned about with them moving forward? It's the bench. The bench has been so inconsistent. And, and Brad Wanamaker is, is the player I'm most concerned with because Brad Stevens seems to always be going to Brad Wanamaker off the bench as the second person in after Marcus Smart. And I don't get it. I don't get, aside from his free throw percentage, Brad Wanamaker does nothing for me. He, he's not a high volume scorer. He's not that great defensively. I want to see, in order for us to make it to the finals and succeed, we need more minutes from Romeo Langford, who proved himself against the Nets, even though it was a scrubby team. We need Robert Williams to be able to come in for Daniel Tice or Ennis Cantor and provide good, solid minutes defensively and offensively. And we need Kemba Walker to not be on a minutes restriction because that's obviously been something that's been plaguing this team. Mm-hmm. It's really the bench. That's that's the biggest thing. What do we need to do in order to make the finals? We need the bench to produce. What am I most concerned about moving forward? The bench producing because they haven't historically this season. They haven't they haven't produced. It, it's been really hard to watch and and seeing the rotations again that Brad Stevens puts in. It's it's really. It's concerning, and at some point you have to think, I don't want to throw Brad Stevens under the bus because I appreciate him and I respect him as a coach, but at, at what point does Danny Ainge say this is it? Brad Stevens, mm-hmm. he's made it to the playoffs. He, these rotations that he's throwing out don't make sense. They're obviously not working. And Brad Stevens, it's, it's constantly losing in the second round or you're losing in the, fin- in the conference finals. How many more? We're on his seventh season. We haven't won a championship. We have the pieces. We have Kemba Walker. We have Jalen Brown, who's playing arguably the best basketball of his career. He's by far the best Boston Celtics player in the bubble. We have Jason Tatum. You know, what What other pieces do we need? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... To me, it I, looks like they're all there for you. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, I think Brad Stevens is going to be a huge factor in this. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens is who I'm most concerned about. He needs to be able to manage the bench, manage the players' minutes, and put in players who are actually going to produce. And that's not what's happening right now. It's crazy how big of a factor the bench really is when you think about the league. And I feel like we're so accustomed to seeing like dream teams like Golden State and stuff. And we don't even think about, we think about the star players. Nobody ever thinks about the bench. But those are the teams that consistently make it far. Yeah. And then, I mean, what? You had Andre Iguodala. Didn't he come off the bench when he won his MVP? Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Unsung hero right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he won the MVP, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, you didn't necessarily hear his name in everyday conversation. 
compared it's to the other one. Extremely important. You need the rotations to be solid, and I don't think that Brad Stevens has been able to work out solid rotations after that, like subbing in Marcus Smart for Kemba, mm. or yeah. taking out Gordon Hayward to put in Grant Williams. It, I'm just not. I'm not seeing it. I can't stand to see Brad Wanamaker out there. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's tough. And if the Celtics are poised to play Toronto in the second round, I'm nervous because Toronto has Frank Van Fleet coming yeah. off the bench. And, and they have strong players coming off their bench where Boston hasn't been able to figure it out yet. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared of Toronto, too. Absolutely. We have the NBA protesting Black Lives Matter, and they're doing their bubble thing, and they're killing it. We have people co- people in the bubble coming up to Jalen Brown, my guy for life, um, you know, asking him for advice on, on how to make a difference, how to make an impact. And, and I think it's also important to recognize other movements happening in professional sports. So we have the WNBA doing more of the same with the Black Lives Matter movement. They're wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. They have the insignia on the court. And now players are wearing Vote Warnock t-shirts to games to support Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is challenging Atlanta Dream co-owner Kelly Loeffler. She's a Republican in Georgia, and she has a U.S. Senate seat. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know... Loeffler wrote a letter last month to the WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, objecting to the league's promotion of Black Lives Matter and advocating for teams to add an American flag to their jerseys. And, I mean, I don't think that this is getting enough publicity. Maybe it is, and I just haven't seen it. Maybe I'm not following the right people on social media. But what the women doing here, this is huge. Because you have the WNBA and you have the NBA, and they are made up by mostly minority groups. Yeah, I, these these women, at least the women on Atlanta Dream, are playing for a co-owner who doesn't believe in the movement. Yeah, it's uh, and first of all, it's definitely not getting enough attention. Um, before you and I talked about it earlier, I hadn't even heard about it, and I feel like it is something that should be getting top news. Personally, I will never be one of those people who just says that they should shut up and play. You know, it's their platform. They have every right to use it for whatever they want to advocate for. And I don't think the owner, the league, the fans have any right to tell them any different. The thing is that these women, again, have a platform and they're using the platform for something that's important to them. Obviously, these are their lives mm-hmm. and and they recognize that Loeffler is, just doesn't care. Right. Yeah. How insensitive. Like, you, you, you would want to support your team, especially if your team, if you're the owner and they're making you money. And the Why team has turned on her. The, yeah. the tables have turned. And, I mean, we'll see where this goes. We'll see what happens with it. But I think it's important to note that, that other professional leagues are, are finally using their platforms. Not that they weren't in the past, but I think it's more, more noticeable now when when these protests are happening that yeah. these women are using their voices a little bit more i think i think now more than ever they realize that they have it yeah and that's a great thing that's what america's all about is using your voice to stand up for something that you believe in hopefully something positive comes out of it we'll see but 
Andrew, that's all we have. How are you feeling now? Anytime I get to talk sports with you, Samara, my day is instantly better. So I'm feeling great. You know, this makes my day. Great. Me too. It was definitely different from talking, writing about some healthcare stories that I wrote about earlier today. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much again. Andrew will be on every Friday or every other Friday, depending. Episodes out on Saturday. Again, this episode is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports. Make sure to follow those guys over there on Twitter. Make sure to follow at GuyNYC Sports on Twitter, along with at SamaraRose31 and at City John Sports. That's it. Oh, no, no sports, just at City John. At City John. Andrew's changing up his Twitter on me. I don't even know what it is. At City John, follow us. Let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the podcast. We always have your back on all things sports and sports gambling.